Which do you like better, all-included pricing or a la carte pricing? Which company lost millions in dollars and customers and then gave their CEO a 100% pay raise? And how to increase your prices on your products and services and not lose business? All that and more coming up next on Episode 61 of Open for Business. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. Bandwidth for On The Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. Retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive. All from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Parker, and I'm joined today by Lon Seidman, host of Behind the Video, lead writer at cttechjunkie.com. And he's also a partner in Safety Zone, his family's glove and safety equipment business, safetyzone.com. Hello, Lon. How are you? Hello, Mr. Brian. How are you? I am doing just great, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. It's a it's a new year today, 2013. It's, it's hard to believe. It went by very quickly. The years seem to go by faster as I get older. I've noticed the same thing. I mean, now it, you have a, a daughter, so I see it's going to be even faster from what I And what you I are now expecting a youngster. Yes, daughter, a daughter or, also. Yeah. Oh, you do you do you do know? Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, they're going to be fabulous friends. It's so exciting. Yeah, they will be. They can do a show together. Well, it's good to have you here, and it's good to have all of you here. Uh, Evan in the chat room is waiting for you guys to have a little discussion in there. We are open for business, the podcast that explores all things business, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service making a few dollars for yourself. Uh, we have some hot potato items I want to get to, and it kind of leads into our major discussion about uh, how to raise prices and not lose customers. But uh, there's this thing, you know, this a la carte pricing, and the airlines have really embraced this, Lon. A la carte pricing, um, add-on fees. Uh, initially, it was, uh, you know, they were trying to keep the fees low and competitive with their with their other brethren airlines, but then they kind of nickel and dime you. But even folks like, you know, Southwest, where your bags fly free, everything is a little add-up charge, a little bump-up charge. Oh, you want to have a, a better boarding position? You know, give us uh, $15, $25, $30, and we can get you there. Well, what do you like, Lon, for this a la carte pricing for the airlines? Do you want all-inclusive or what? I want I want, I want want all-inclusive, I think, or at least to, to know, you know, up front what everything's going to cost me when I get on the plane. I, right. I have to say I, I've... I've moved most of my flying business to Southwest, and I've done that because of the no baggage fees and the no change fees. And when we were doing uh, some of the NASA coverage for uh, Tech Junkie, and, and you can check that out at CT Tech Junkie to plug it, um, when we were doing that, uh, we had to change our plans constantly because they kept delaying the rocket launch. You know, it just there's a lot of rocket science and stuff. So, right. um, so I was changing flights literally, you know, two or three times a day as, as you know, we were hearing rumors about things that were happening or not happening. And uh, Southwest had a lot of flexibility about that. And you just pay the difference in fare. And sometimes uh, I was actually paying less and getting a credit back. Uh, and sometimes I was paying a little bit more. But nevertheless, it was it was a legit change of fare and no change fee or anything else like that. In fact, I was able to cancel a flight that I had already checked into uh, without being penalized. So that was a that was a good thing. And, yeah, you do pay extra for a better boarding position. And I I found the value of that uh, paying for the boarding position has gone down tremendously. Because when I first did it, I was I was given like the first 15 
you know, boarding positions. Uh, And lately I did it on my last trip to L.A. and I was like a 47. So you're better off just logging in 24 hours before the flight takes off and you'll you'll probably get. Uh, close to the same uh, spot when you go to board, but yeah, they, uh, they all seem to have their uh, their little tricks there. You know, uh, my wife always logs in, yeah, twenty uh, twenty four hours before the actual flight. You know, the, the night before, and you can get your your boarding spot. But you know, I, I, to me, I think I'm hearing the same thing: is you just want to know what it is and have some kind of standard across the industry. That's or just you know I think people need to start voting with their wallets. I mean, part of the reason why I'm with Southwest is because I'm not getting nickel and dimed on every thing that I do, and the things that are uh, fee based are optional things that are nice to have but may not be kind of a necessity. I think bringing bags with you on a trip is kind of a necessary thing, right? Right. Um, and and the fact is they don't charge for two bags; they charge for three, but not two. And Delta and some of the other airlines are are just hitting you with fees left and right. And you know, I decided, look, I'm I'm not going to endorse this nor reward this company with more of my money for doing something that I disagree with. And I think that's every consumer's right. There are choices to, to make, and unfortunately, most people don't make those choices. And in the case of Delta, at least, you know, they the people that are paying fees are subsidizing those who don't. Uh, and those who don't are like the platinum elite flyers. So my father never pays a fee for anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> he gets free baggage. He gets you know first class upgrades. He gets all this stuff. Now, granted, he's pouring a lot of money into uh, into his flights with Delta, but nevertheless, you know he's getting um, basically everything that I have to pay for. Uh, and I, I think there's there's just an inherent problem there. At least on Southwest, they treat all their passengers the same. And what else I'm fascinated by, just by the airline industry itself, thinking about getting and keeping customers, the um, the deviation of prices. You know, a, a trip I go down to Florida a lot to play golf. You know, it it can be, you know, a two hundred dollar or a six hundred dollar ticket. Same spot, same thing, relatively, you know, same time of the year, and y- you never know what that price is going to be and it's just you know it's a crapshoot and you know it is you know thank god one of my good friends and sponsors of our website is this guy uh from sandits travel who tries to help us out a little bit but yeah you can really get i mean you can really get hurt and if the idea is volume you know you want more people to fly because otherwise all you're doing is cutting expenses you want more volume um Make it easier. Make it more affordable. Make it more enjoyable for us to go. One thing about Southwest is they have a great, uh, they have a great demeanor on the, on the plane. I think their uh, their employees really have a lot of buy-in, which makes it an enjoyable experience. So I applaud them for that. Um, you know, you on American Airlines, and it's like you know you're doing them a favor. And yeah, right. Just... You're, you're 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 like cattle on half these other flights. And I, I think you know no airline is perfect. And you know, but I was I was standing online for a Southwest flight, and one of the uh, the guy in front of me was having a conversation with this other guy, and he's like, you know, Southwest is like the quintessential American company. It's, you know, it's lean, it's well-managed, and it's, and it's on time. And I think that, you know, largely that's been my experience with them. I know other people have not had the same experience, but, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to give them my money on a regular basis, mainly because they, they do a good job, and uh, other airlines have not been doing the same for me. I, I, I think there's a there, there's been some talk, and it's not something that the airlines have embraced, but there has been some uh, experiments with on-demand flights where there's no set flight schedule, that they build flights based on what the demand might be. So case in point, uh, there is no Southwest nonstop to Palm Beach right now from Hartford. 
So it'd be nice to have that, but they, they're not going to do that because they don't perceive enough uh, interest in that. But wouldn't it be cool if a bunch of people could crowdsource a flight and say, hey, there's 200 of us that want to go to Palm Beach in this date range. Can you put a flight together for us? It, and there's been some yeah. experiments with that. I, I would love that. We go down to Tampa an, an awful lot. And, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, trying to get a flight down to Tampa, not wanting to absolutely overpay. And it's actually cheaper for us to fly down on the other side to Orlando rent a limo and drive over right right. i mean that you know that's ridiculous that that shouldn't be but um, it's crazy and i I think there's i I think there's some real value to um you know to to maybe looking at these things based on crowdsourcing what the interest is and building flights around what people are willing to, to to do as opposed to just trying to make guesses in the marketplace you know the airlines have access now as we all do to the internet and and a lot a lot freer exchange of information with their customers, and I think it might be worthwhile for them to perhaps reverse this this notion of them fit, trying to figure out what we want. And why not just ask us what our flight, our desired flight schedules are, and when we're willing to pay for a flight? And maybe that will uh, change some things too. The airline industry is not alone in this uh, being a pain in the neck. Uh, probably the biggest pain in the neck for me are uh, our cable TV providers, Lon. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I want you to know something. Uh, over this past holiday, uh, my wife and I have become cord cutters. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. We have Roku, which was like, yep. I don't even know how much that is. And then we also bought Apple TV, mm-hmm. which I am in love with. And we bought a little antenna. And we get about 16 channels with that little antenna. So we get like our local news and all that kind of stuff and PBS and various other place uh, channels. And then really, gosh, it's... You know, everything was going on the DVR anyway, so us watching live TV wasn't really happening. Mm. Uh, I got a tip. I got a tip for you, by the way, for customer service with cable. What's that? If if you've got a problem, and I and I think you still have Comcast Internet, right? We do have Comcast Internet. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a problem, instead of calling the customer service department, just go on Twitter and start complaining. <laughs> <laughs> you, and I guarantee you within 10 minutes you're going to hear from somebody. I, and they, they, they solve the problem faster on Twitter than they do when you call them on the phone. I, one, I believe that. Two, um, we've used this for uh, – we had a problem with Sears. And mm. I think I, I may have even included you on some of this yes. stuff. Yes, oh, I was following your – But, uh, you know, and, and you know, it's, we don't have like 100,000 people following us on, uh, on Twitter. But we have, you know – 8,000 or, or something like that, and that's great. And so, yeah, these people, like, all of a sudden really were, were very interested in what we had to say. So Twitter's a great thing. But um, one of the folks that I that I now pay $8 to a month mm-hmm. is uh, Netflix. I'm also on Hulu Plus for, like, another 8 or $9 a month. But, uh, you know, he doubled – Netflix CEO Reed Hastings doubled the price. It used to be 12 bucks, kind of all-inclusive, whether you wanted content – you know, your movies uh, streaming over the Internet, or if you wanted to get the DVDs in the mail, $12, $13. Then it went up to 20 something and there was big outrage. And folks like me said, you know what, that's not actually worth it. I, I, I'm, I'm not into that. And so we paid for the $8 streaming content only. That's what I do, too. Uh, but he doubled his prices, lost... Um, millions of dollars in revenue, um, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and now has a uh, and now has doubled his income. How has right. he done that? 
the board of directors decided to give him a uh, a raise. He went from uh, two million to uh, four million. Now wow. I think That's it's the actually stress that he in- induced upon himself. Yeah, I, th- I think it was I think it was five hundred thousand dollars as a salary and one point five as as a bonus or stock option, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, this is really I I think this is the way of the future, and I I am just I'm watching the uh, television content providers just just kill themselves i i don't know why this is this reminds me of before we had itunes napster who, which was basically free what well which was free um was just eating the uh lunch of the uh, uh recording artist association and it feels like the tv guys aren't getting it they're, they're not they're not understanding hbo is another big sinner i think there's actually a website called Take my money, HBO, or please yeah, take right, my money, HBO. Like, streaming, right? I, I can't, I can't believe that they just don't want to give us access to that. And it's really, you know, who holds this? It's, uh, you know, it's folks like Comcast, uh, Directv. You can't get uh, the new Aaron Sorkin, which is called uh, the new Aaron Sorkin show called uh, News uh, Newsroom. Mm-hmm. You can't get it unless you subscribe. Right, unless you have services. the old way of watching it, it's, it's <laughs> like, like the print. It's like the print edition, where it's where it's it's yeah. cheaper to get the print New York Times and get the get the digital with it than it is to pay for the digital on its own. It, it's and you know what? That is not inexpensive. I was just looking at that. I wanted to uh, subscribe to the New York Times. You can get it digital on all formats, whether it be like your iPad or your desktop or or what have you, or you know your phone. And one, they bifurcate this out into. There's digital, but then there's digital for your iPad or your tablet, and then there's digital just for your desktop. And or and you can just kind of pick and choose one or get all of them. My my wife did the Sunday delivery, so she just gets the Sunday paper. Yeah. Because she still likes, you know, killing trees. Yeah. Um, and you get the full digital thing with just that Sunday subscription. So that's what she for, did. For free? For, uh, well, for whatever you're paying for the print. Well, that's because it was it was, you know, over three hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And this is the thing. It's like propping it's propping up this this dead business model. Same thing with the television stuff. And and I think that's where Netflix has been kind of an interesting uh, uh, development or an interesting company because they they effectively put Blockbuster out of business. They did. Because now now you don't have to leave your house (laughs) to get a movie. And And you know, what's funny is Blockbuster Blockbuster could have been the also ran here. Because they tried to be. They, I, I don't really know if they tried. I mean, you got folks like Amazon that was a bookstore mm-hmm. that has really come on. I mean, they're even a sponsor of our show with this uh, with this storage. And then Hulu Plus. I, like, I don't even know where Hulu Plus came from. They just sort of appeared one day. Well, and, what they did, I, I subscribed to Netflix right when they, initially they were really expensive and they were charging by the movie and it was it was it was a mess. And then they they changed it to this all all you can eat model where you know you'd get three movies mailed to you and then when you were done with one you mailed it back and got another one. Right. And that was their model for quite a, a long time. And and Blockbuster after Netflix got going, Blockbuster did the very same thing, and it was exactly the same thing except it was a blue envelope versus a red one. <laughs> and uh, what they added to the to the mix was they they said if you take Blockbuster. If you take this blockbuster movie back to the brick and mortar store, we'll give you a movie movie for free at the store, hmm. which is a great deal. And then they give you two coupons a month for two additional movies at the store, or you know, or a, or a game or whatever. 
And I don't, they couldn't sustain the business model because all Netflix had was a bunch of distribution centers and, and their website where Blockbuster had to develop the same infrastructure for mailing out movies and have the brick-and-mortar stores. And right. it got to the point where I was visiting the Blockbuster sp- store a lot, but I was never buying, paying for anything because yeah. everything was free. Yeah. I knew myself, this is not going to last very long. And sure, <laughs> enough, sure enough, it didn't. And I think this is what you know, we're seeing with the, the New York Times and with the TV stuff, too, which is you know, there is this older infrastructure with a huge amount of, of large companies behind it. And HBO knows that they, they can't – the market isn't quite there yet for them to say, you know what, we're going to turn off the cable provider and sell direct. They can't do it right now. Uh, it would kill the rest of their business. So they, they're kind of you know, married to the cable and satellite providers in a way that uh, they really can't detach themselves. And I think they would put that business relationship at risk if they all of a sudden decided to do both the cable distribution method and the internet method. The problem for HBO, though, is that the less they provide people in the format they want it, the more they're going to steal it because it's easy for people to go on BitTorrent and get mm-hmm. the show that they want to watch. So, you know, there's a lot of um, complexity here. And, you know, I, th- I think they're they're kind of tied in with these cable providers to a point where they're depending on them to exist, kind of like how Zingo, the game company that does Farmville, right. um, they depend on Facebook because that's the platform in which they can reach all these people. And, you know, it's frustrating, though, for me as a cord cutter because I do want to watch some HBO shows. I would rather pay for the shows that I want to see as opposed to just having a flat out subscription. Um, but you know, this is the kind of problem we're at where customers want it a certain way, but the business model, you know, the industry is just too integrated for them to figure it out. And that's where Netflix is trying to branch into a different direction. So Netflix went from being a competitor to blockbuster. So they, not only did they compete against blockbuster, they effectively destroyed them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now what Netflix is doing is they're mo- and Amazon is doing this too. They're moving into the realm that HBO used to play in, which or still does, which is generating original content. So uh, Netflix has done one show already, maybe two. Um, one of the shows was with one of the Sopranos actors. It was like this gangster that moves to um, ca- like Northern Canada or something. Um, they're doing Arrested Development, which was a very popular show on, I believe, on Fox that was canceled and has a huge fan base, and they're going, they're, they're going into production to make a new version of that. Uh, so they're doing the sorts of things that HBO has really been successful at, which is original content. Uh, they're starting to produce that. Amazon is investing in independent filmmakers, and they've, they've done some studio work there, and they're, we know what they're doing on the book publishing side. They're becoming more of a publisher, too. So I, I think if, if HBO doesn't react to the way people want them to, to react, then Netflix has the potential to do really well here. And I, I think where we're going to see it go is that Netflix is really in a position to, uh, to be successful here because their main competitor, HBO, you know, costs about the same for a monthly subscription, right? Right. Uh, their main competitor can't go on the internet where all of Netflix customers want to be. And and that's just it. It's um, it's it's twelve bucks or thirteen bucks for HBO as an add-on to to your hundred-dollar cable. To your, yeah, and, and well, yeah, ours was ours was uh, one hundred and twenty-five dollars. So, you know, with with sixteen bucks with Hulu Plus and Netflix, you know, we're 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 a hundred bucks plus. Uh, richer each month so that's terrific but you know it's it really comes down to what you said the <clears throat> original content creators <clears throat> excuse me the um one of the really uh surprise um competitors to all of these folks but really you know folks like hbo is um 
is YouTube because YouTube is now a distribution hub, and they always have been, but they're mm -hmm. becoming a distribution hub to very professionally done, not just, you know, people doing monologues in there and being funny like uh, that Ray William Johnson guy. But there's right. a, there's this thing called Battlestar Galactica Chrome, which is mm -hmm. a whole new, you know, first of all, the, the remake of Battlestar was terrific and got, you know, a bunch of listen, uh, a bunch of viewers. I think it was like six or seven or nine seasons. It was a really long time. But this place, Machinima, is making extraordinarily classy, well-done, uh, well-produced uh, content. And what are they doing? They're releasing it on YouTube. So now YouTube, yeah, you know, you know how much YouTube costs? Nothing. Well, it doesn't cost, right, it costs nothing to put your stuff there um, to already use. It's costing Google a fortune. but It's costing um, Google a fortune, but again, yeah. Google is search. But they're making money on it now. Yeah. Or so they say. And you, you know what the biggest, the greatest thing about YouTube is? Is that it is the most open platform in the world for this kind of thing. And you can make, anybody can make money on YouTube by, by just turning on the revenue sharing. So if you have original content, you can turn this on. And every time somebody watches an ad longer than 30 seconds, you get, you get paid. Oh, is it 30? Is that what it is? It's more than 30 seconds? Yeah. So what, what happens is, this video. is, yeah, it, it, it's, well, you know, it, when you pop, and it only, there's a whole bunch of different ways they pay people. But the, the way this, this is working now is that when you're on YouTube, and you play a video, and you see that pre-roll that starts up, uh, you, can, you can skip the pre-roll ad. And if you do that, then the, the uh, content creator doesn't get paid. Oh. Uh, I if feel bad now. Watch, what's that? I feel bad. Every time I watch yours, I skip that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to eat here. Come on. Uh, so, right, if, if, if you skip the ad, then they don't get paid. However, if you watch the ad, I think it's like 20 or 30 seconds. If you, if you watch it, for any length of time, you know, longer than five or ten seconds, um, even if you skip it at that point, they still pay, and that's been it's been great. Now I get about I have a couple different YouTube channels, but collectively I do probably about thirty to forty thousand um, views a month, and I'm making about one hundred and thirty, hundred and fifty dollars a month in in revenue. That's pretty good. How many videos but, do you produce a month? Um, I do. It depends on, on how productive I'm feeling. Um, so I, yeah. I do anywhere from anywhere from one to 10 a month. Uh, what's interesting is, is that I'm not, I'm not doing what Machinima is doing. Now, what Machinima is, is a studio. So they have, right, right. you know, staff and production and they do all this really high end stuff because they have millions of viewers who subscribe to everything Machinima does. Uh, my stuff is more search based. So I've been doing a lot of product reviews because that seems to be doing, um, just looking at my analytics, that seems to have been the best uh, choice for, uh, for, for the to, of content for me to produce, and I can do these things very quickly. So my cost is very minimal. Uh, but people are finding my stuff through search. So if someone's looking for you know the the latest Epson printer that I reviewed, then my review will likely show up at some point uh, in in that process. So um, and the reason why I'm able to do this and get this small amount of revenue for this hobby really is that YouTube is in the top one top two or three sites on the internet so they get as much traffic if not more than facebook does in a month and that's the advantage of youtube is it's that it has so many eyeballs that yeah. chances are if someone out there on the internet is looking for something they're probably doing a search either on google and getting to youtube or uh doing a search directly on youtube for some product that they're interested in so you're fishing where the fish are 
Yeah, it's, it's like really eBay, what it is, right? I mean, why would you start your own <clears throat> e-commerce site if you could just exactly. sell your junk on eBay? No, that, no, that, that's exactly right. Um, you know, what, what is the end of this? It's it's uh, the content, which is where you know folks like Netflix and Hulu Plus and um, whoever you know YouTube or whoever else is out there, um, making it easier to get that content is really the key if you want more eyeballs, because then that becomes something you can make money off of. Um, we were getting back to the uh, the New York Times. Uh, it was so complicated for me to figure out. It, it, it is not a one or two step process to buy the digital content for the New no, York it's Times. So freaking complicated. It, it is very complicated. It's not like you know you enter your credit card and you're done. It's like you know you got to like you know log in with this password and then you need another content password. And I don't know why they make that so difficult. But um, the the real trick here is to provide value to your existing customers and hopefully they can be a resource for you to get new ones which kind of brings us to our our main topic here what happens when you come to the conclusion that you know what i'm providing some good value here and it's time i got paid a little more for it for whatever reason what are the strategies that i can employ to increasing the prices that people pay for my product or services without losing any customers now we had a lot of uh very, very uh, clever folks kind of chiming in on here. One of them, by the way, uh, we'll, we'll have to say, Inc. Magazine, Ken Cook, who's part of the show, one of the regular hosts, just has the day off for the, uh, for the new year, um, is, uh, is one of the contributors to Inc. And, of course, for some reason, I don't know why this, does this happen to you? Google Docs just kind of logs you out for no apparent reason. Hmm. Doesn't like you. Oh, well. We'll have to figure that one out. But yeah. um, so there's some good strategies here. Let me see if I can get to the Inc. Magazine one. Uh, no, we'll go to the SBA one first. Uh, first, building your uh, pricing strategy into your business plan. This is one of those, you know, you, you, you got a business plan, and if it's going to be a successful business, as soon as you open your door, the business plan changes immediately anyway. But um, once you get some of that, you know, real interaction with your clientele, you have to find all right where is it that i'm going to start you know increasing prices so i can provide more value and i think that providing more value is is the key as far as i see is not losing uh customers when you increase prices because you want to not just hey you know i'm going to provide you the same stuff and i just want more money for it you have to kind of you got to get their buy-in to why it's important Mm-hmm. But uh, you were talking in your safety uh, business. You obviously must be raising prices not all the time, but you know over the many years that your family has owned it, you certainly have raised prices even just to keep up with inflation. How do you guys handle that? Well, it's you know we're we're in a fortunate situation in that we're selling actual goods, kind of an unusual thing these days, um, which have which are commodities. You know these are these are disposable work gloves. They're they're things that are used uh, in a in a food service environment per se. And you know there's there's not a lot of innovation in the marketplace. So typically you know there's a glove is a glove. Although our gloves tend to be better than competing gloves because we spend a lot more time on quality control and whatnot. But um, but as a result, there's you know there's some basic costs involved with buying the stuff and bringing it over from from overseas and uh, we have a lot of price fluctuations that happen throughout the year and sometimes the prices go up and sometimes they go down the fortunate thing for us is that uh, we've always operated in a very lean business and that we, we tend not to have too much staff on board we tend to keep our expenses as low as we can 
And the result of that is that we've been able to keep our prices very reasonable so that when we are faced with price increases, uh, we're, we're pretty much in the same realm as the rest of the market is, you know? So, you know, within a few bucks here or there, we're, we're pretty much where the market is at any given time. And, uh, I think that's, you know, that's part of it is knowing what your marketplace is looking like and, and how much room you have, because sometimes you might be priced too low. You know, I've advised some, um, some publications, you know, online publications that I work with through our independent media network thing that they're, they're not charging enough. And sure enough, some of them raised their prices and didn't have any blip. In fact, they got right. more business than they did otherwise. So I, I think there's, you know, a real, you have to develop a real sense for what the market is and, and know what your, what your leeway is. And you have to really be careful that you're not operating too, um, you know, too richly per se, you know, that you're, you're, you're keeping your overhead low enough that you have that flexibility. Because if you get into a situation where there is a downturn in the economy, you, you don't want to get into a bind where you, you have to raise prices higher than where the market's going to be. Or, or go out of business, which is, a, which is a great point. You know, keeping yourself lean allows you to um, spend money on, you know, for your case, it might be research and development of, of mm -hmm. whatever these gloves are. Um, right. But, you know, increasing, again, the value. And so while you're talking about... Um, you know, increasing your prices, you're also kind of cross-selling um, what the next evolution, why it is that you need not just this glove or this um, this content, uh, you know, provided to you by this uh, publication. It's also that you're going to be getting um, this much better experience as you, mm -hmm. you know, use my product or service. Do you tier your prices? You know, if you buy so many of this, it's this, and then, you know, it's 10% uh, off if you buy, you know, twice as many or something like that? Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that we do. I mean, certainly there's there's some advantages to buying volume. Um, we sometimes have uh, contracts that customers are bidding on that, you know, create unique circumstances too. So, you know, the pricing is, is uh, actually we have a pretty sophisticated software program to keep track of all the all the pricing variations uh, that we have by, you know, by customer and, and situations like that. So that's, uh, that's terrific for understanding this thing called price elasticity, which is, you know, how far can you stretch that, uh, that price um, that the customer pays before they, you know, snap and they don't buy anymore. Uh, you know, you yeah, want to be, you want to be again, knowing the market pretty well. I think yeah. that's a real key to everything. Know your business. Um, one of the things that I have found is, uh, is helpful in tiering, um, everything keep everything negotiable mm -hmm. but tier to the public you know if you want to have something on your website or wherever your publication about um what your t's are and how much uh, something costs keep it on the high side and so when someone comes to you and says boy you know i would i really do need this i appreciate this uh 10 discount but you know i really need to do a little something more have that in your business plan to where you're thinking to yourself, all right, that that's fine. We we don't you know we don't go out of business if I give this guy an extra deal. Um, but this also goes again, you know, keep your 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 business operation lean. The biggest sin I see is operational uh, money failures. You know, when it becomes too expensive to run the place, you know, now you have now you have capital uh, issues. So you know your operation should pay for your capital costs. If you have, you know, operating losses, you know, you, you can only can pray that your your capital uh, investments don't go down. The, you know, if a machine breaks, what do you do? 
you know, you're, you're operating at a loss. If a computer right. goes down, if your computer network goes down, or you need to buy some new industry standard to keep up with uh, with pricing schedules on the internet, you know, you, you need to have that kind of lean operation. So, you know, your capital is never going to produce. It's only going to be a drag on your operating. You know, that's always just going to be an outflow. Like your employees, you know, they always say, you know, employees technically are, you know, uh, are outflow only. You know, you, they're not, unless they're salesmen, they're not bringing business in. You know, they're, they're fulfillment of the, uh, of the business. So you have to make sure you don't over hire. And when you do hire, hire someone good. Um, how do you charge uh, for your bill, your bill timing? This is something we had toyed with uh, in my investment company, and it was really uh, it became more of a uh, exercise of, of hey, let's just figure it out. But I was interested to see, you know, we're very we're, we're very tiny. We're under a hundred million in assets under management. So there are these huge institutional um, companies out there that that buy and sell, and they charge, and we charge just like they do on um, you know a, a quarterly basis. No one has the exact same date. We just do it at the, you know, the, the, the end of the, you know, quarter, the last day of the quarter, that's the price, and, and there you go. We keep it simple. But I was interested to see if the market on average was, you know, higher in the second month or higher in the, you know, ha uh, second half of the first month or something like that to see if there was a, a timing issue that maybe I could change my billing cycle and just by that, you know, keep up with the flow of all these really big guys but i don't know do, have you found that a, a, um charging uh you know per quarter or per per uh per year works better for you well what we do is uh for, you know we're selling goods again so when the stuff leaves the door to go to the customer is when the bill gets made do you do, <laughs> do uh you know you know 30 days out 90 days out uh, 120 uh, days out how quickly do they pay Oh, it, 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 they're all pretty good about paying on time. So, you know, there's varying degrees of payment terms and that kind of thing. But um, but generally, they, they do a pretty good job uh, doing that. On the media business side, you know, we, we have uh, very um, uh, specific overhead costs involved with sharing the revenue with our members. So the independent media network has about 80 websites, and uh, we're essentially um, renting space on their website for these ads that go up. So uh, we bill pretty much in advance that we require a payment in advance or at least close to it so that, you know, we can, we can pay people for that, that time that we're renting from their website. So, um, I, I'm always of the opinion that you're better off billing as soon as you deliver the service or, or goods than, yeah. you know, and it, it, it probably varies based on what you're in. I mean, if you're in a financial business like you are, perhaps there's some industry standards involved with billing people. Um, but you know, in the businesses that I do, uh, the second that, that, good or services delivered, the bill is out because <laughs> you don't want to have any break in cash flow. Because really, when you think about it, you're, you know, between the time that you send, deliver a service or deliver a product and the time that you're paid, you're essentially lending that money to somebody. And, you know, you're, you're out um, until that check arrives to, to pay that bill. So um, I, I, I like to, you know, make sure that the bill is out as soon as the, the product is, is out. Uh, what, one of the, biggest pains in the neck that uh, I had to help a client with was he is in a um, manufacturing, he does, uh, uh, you know, helicopter airline parts. Um, and, and a lot of his business is through, uh, the government and he gets, uh, these, 
requests for proposal and uh you know sometimes you win sometimes you don't and you never really know you never know who's bidding on it and you just try to you know ballpark uh, the uh the bid but he was winning so many of them and uh and you know he the material comes in he makes it he ships it and then he sends out the bill to the u.s government and the U.S. government's a little slow in paying sometimes, up mm. to 18, 24 months. Whoa. And That's so this had gone on for uh, four years, and he was at the point where he was literally out of money, had $13 million in backlog um, income that had yet to be paid by the government, and he didn't know what to do because he had to keep bidding because he has to keep the people working but he had no way to purchase the initial uh material if he won a bid and get it out the door and so he was in this kind of laggarding thing and you know what does he do now now he has to go to a bank and get a uh a bridge loan for uh for goods that are you know they're they're bought they're not paid for but they're bought and it's the u.s government so you got to believe that you know they're going to be good for it, but it's one of those interesting little things that uh, in manufacturing it can get scary if you become too busy because you run out of money to buy material to make the next thing. If someone starts to kind of lag behind, and then you know you think about what that means for the government that you know all of their clients are, are having to to take out loans and, and incurring all this overhead, which is driving up the cost of product for the government too. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, also, uh, th- there's actually. There's five last little tidbits, and then we'll close up shop. But uh, uh, tell me what you think about this. Uh, avoid, uh, this is funny, death by a thousand cuts. Did you read that article? I did. What, what did you think about death by a thousand cuts and increasing your prices? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, I think what, what the hard part is with any business, every business is different, right? So, you, you know, you, you have to be really smart about how you do this stuff. And, and I, I think that's ultimately what, all of this comes down to, right? I mean, is, is just knowing your business, knowing what your market is. And if you don't know what your business or market is, then you will die <laughs> by a thousand cuts, right? Right. No, I, I, I agree. And, you know, this is you don't want to uh, increase your price just a little bit right now because you're afraid, you're timid, and then increase your price a little bit because you're timid, then increase your price a little bit because you're timid. If you're going to increase your prices, do it substantially and have a little forethought and saying to yourself, all right, well, uh, you know, maybe you know, this increase of prices, maybe this will take me over for the next two years. Uh, let's do the, the big two year increase. Don't, don't be apologetic about it and say, you know, here's the real value, sell the customer to it. And then they will know, they will have a little bit of certainty knowing that, you know what, this does not, <clears throat> these guys don't raise their prices all the time. This is, you know, it's probably good for them to raise the prices and then, you know, you're done two years later, maybe you raise prices again, but but don't do the little deaths by a thousand little cuts because then they don't know what to think of you. Every time they call you, it's going to be, yeah, I wonder what he's going to charge me this time. Right. And and by the way, another thing to think about here is a matter of communication, that keeping your customers informed and keeping that line of communication and that relationship established uh, makes these discussions a lot easier. That if you're not dropping bombs on them every 25 you know, two days or something that they, they know that, yeah, we're going to see some, you know, in our, in our business, we, we can see when things are going to happen. You know, we know what the price of fuel is going to have, right, yeah. you know, what impact it's going to have a few months later. Right. So 
you know, it's keeping those lines of communication open to them so that they can plan appropriately to know that that critical product or service that you're providing, uh, they can plan for those fluctuations. And if, if you're not informing them of where those things might go, then those price increases do become a problem. So, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about some real common sense here. And I think, quite honestly, a lot of running a business is common sense. Oh, sure. <laughs> right? Let's just get oh, back yeah. to basics, which is keep people informed, you know, be a, a, a proactive communicator. Yeah. And, and you know, spend some time with your customers who you depend on. Not only that, there's another point here. Uh, spend some time with your uh, employees who are probably going to have more contact with those customers mm -hmm. keep them informed too absolutely yeah keep them informed you know you know if you want your customers to to, to buy into this you got to make sure your employees have bought into it as well um whenever possible um offer options is what i was talking about keeping your um your your prices if they're quoted somewhere keep those a little bit higher just so you have a little wiggle room uh so you can uh, offer some options for your folks and then play favorites which is a very interesting idea Typically, you, you don't, in, you know, in business school, you don't want to play favorites. You want to be fair right down the middle. But all of us have this problem where, you know, 80% of our business comes from 20% of our clients. So really, you got to take care of that 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 20% because they're, they're the lion's share of your income. So, you know, if you need to make some exceptions where uh, the, the bigger fish where you are get a little bit better deal, mm, okay, you know, don't, don't sell the house on it or, or you know, get rid of the uh throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to say but uh you know try to keep it as fair as possible but if you need to play favorites go right ahead that'd be fine last Ooh. thoughts my friend well the only last thought i have is is that I, I again i think just in business in general that you know being good to your customers and good to your employees um all of those things pay dividends and being smart about how uh, you spend your money and 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 where um, I think all of those contribute to running a successful company and uh, hopefully um, we've provided some some insight here but ultimately it comes back to common sense and just being you know being consci conscientious on on all fronts. He is Lon Seidman. You can check out his writings at cttechjunkie.com or if you're in the need to buy some safety equipment, go to safetyzone.com. They spend a fortune on that website. <laughs> uh, where else can people find you, Lon? Long story on the website. Uh, you can find me at uh, Lon Seidman, L-O-N-S-E-I-D-M-A-N.com. That'll link to my Google Plus profile. And, and just uh, one thing I should have mentioned on the Safety Zone business, we don't service end users at all. So we, we are directly uh, serving distributors who then service end users. And that that um, is why our website is not the best in the world. <laughs> so. Terrific. Hey, thank you all for joining us. A true business-to-business -business website is what it is. Uh, hey, we can't do this without you guys listening to us, so we do really appreciate it. Numbers have been out of sight. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and also our sponsors, our sponsors, Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwitz and Meyer Jack, and our good friends over at Amazon.com. Very special thanks to Evan, Evan Richards, our chat room moderator. We're going to close up shop this week, but we'll be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we'll once again be open for business. We'll see you guys. Bye-bye.